0: Uh, We're going to start by reading Luke chapter 17. This is the second part of a series called uh, Grateful. And um, we're going to read from verse 11. Uh, It's the story of the ten lepers cleansed, if we have it on the screen. Uh, If we can read together out loud. Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village... There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, glorified God and fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to my rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So I've I've been um, reflecting a lot this week on, on, on this message and um you know I believe it's it's a word in season for us because we read about the ten lepers and about how they were all healed but only one uh, you know came back to give Christ thanks you could say that uh, only one of them was was really grateful because they all went their separate ways to their homes to their careers to their communities uh, their hobbies their relationships and, and they were glad to be healed and to restart their lives again. Um, because, you know, they were certainly glad to be delivered from what was, in essence, a death sentence. Because back then, leprosy was fatal. There was no cure. And um, so they were certainly glad to be delivered from this. They were glad, but not grateful. And, um, but this is the thing. It was gratitude that brought this man to the feet of Jesus Christ. Uh, This Samaritan came, fell at the feet of Jesus, gave him praise and thanksgiving because he was grateful. And you know, in the very same way, it is gratitude that brings us into the presence of the King. And so if we are not praying, if we are not worshiping, it's an indication that in reality, we're not grateful either. And so again, I think it's important for us to understand You know, prayerlessness uh, leads to powerlessness, but the root is always in gratitude, okay? Because if I was to ask you this question, um, if this week, just last gone, um, had been the one week that God chose to use um, as the basis, uh, you know, to give you a, a, a gratitude grade, would you get an F or would you get an A? If this week, last gone, was the week, the one week God chose, okay, out of your life, this is the week that I'm going to use to give you a gratitude grade. And, um, and, and so again, what would we get? And uh, uh, certainly it, it's, it's something that made me think a lot about this because, you know, if this week gone was used, would we be placed with the one who gave thanks or the nine who didn't? Because let me be perfectly honest, this was quite... A tough week it was a very in, intense week with no shortage of of challenges and to be honest i don't think i was overflowing with gratitude um uh, but but i suppose again uh, i'm probably not the only one uh, and and so i actually when i when i prayed about it you know i really had to repent um because, you know, the Lord convicted me, because I'm I'm doing a series on gratitude, and yet I'm not actually being grateful or thankful myself, because this is the thing, knowing what to do and doing it are two different things. It's easy to give advice to other people. How many of you know that? It's so easy to give advice to other people. How many times do we give advice we're not following ourselves? And so, um, uh, you know, we have much to be be thankful for, much to be grateful for uh, if we only take a moment to think about it. Um, You know, this week, my screwdriver exploded when I shorted it off a live wire. I mean, the the top of the screwdriver, I don't know where it went. It just exploded. It was gone. I was left holding this smoking screwdriver and I was just thinking about how uh, you know that piece of metal could have gone into my eye I could have been electrocuted and you know thank God for angels and trip switches amen Amen? hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah God uses both. Trip switches are good. Um, uh, so, anyway, uh, th- this week our family, we went to get a Christmas tree. Um, we missed Christmas last, last year. We'd been hoping to get into our house for Christmas. We didn't. We moved out of our house the middle of December, and we didn't get into um, our new house till the start of January. So in a way, well, you know, we, we missed Christmas, so we had to go get a, a tree, and we decided we wanted to get a big tree. So um, I managed to get a, a 13-foot tree, 13 feet high, um, uh, for 50 euros, can you believe that? These, these two young lads from Fermat had a van, they said they'd get me whatever tree I wanted, it was amazing, I, I'm joking. Um, uh, we, we we bought it. It was a real place, um, but but anyway. Um You know we managed to get most of it into the car and uh, you know this week I hung up the lights on the outside of the house and all the kids were at at, at school so I was up the ladder on my own I didn't fall off I was very grateful I'm telling you I was praying how many of you know when you get a high high enough on the ladder you start to pray it's it's just it's a natural response and um, you know I think about this year just gone we had so many bills we had to pay because we we did quite an extensive renovation on on our home and um but but you know what, each time we were just praying and trusting God, and, and you know what, each of those bills um, uh, was, prayed, was, was paid, um, you know, prayed for and paid for in Jesus' name. So, you know, God brought us through it, and um, you know, I'm grateful for his provision, and I'm grateful for his protection. God is a faithful God. And you know what the reality is? All of us have things that we can thank God for today. You know, I'm thankful for every one of you today that braved the cold and the sleet and the, you know, the rain to come here today to, to worship the Lord. Amen. so Luke chapter 12, I think, is a good place for us to start. And um, here Jesus uh, gives a parable, uh, verse uh, 13 of, of Luke 12. And then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. But he said to the man, Who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he taught within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will uh, pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul be required of you. Then whose will those things be for which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. When you read this passage, you cannot help but, but notice how many times he talks about me and I. And, you know, this is something Pastor John and myself are mindful of is, you know, uh, in, in recent years, we've seen a lot of worship songs, and they're just all about you and your feelings and I, 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 me, me. And uh, that's not the correct, res- uh, you, you know, perspective for worship. Worship is focused on God, not on self. Amen. And so uh, this man had the wrong perspective. He was blessed, but he wasn't grateful. He didn't honor or even acknowledge God. He doesn't mention God in any of this discourse. And uh, ultimately, God calls him a fool. And uh, as a result of this, he lost everything, including his life. You know, the the rich man uh, in the parable here refers to himself 13 times. Uh, do you know that the 13 number 13 is quite significant um, in the bible and it's symbolic of selfishness lawlessness and rebellion um, you know in esther chapter 3 7 to 9 haman had a decree signed on the 13th day of the first month that all jews would be killed on the 13th day of the 12th month And that spirit of Haman is still on the earth this day. We see uh, increasing hatred rising towards the Jewish people. And um, uh, it's spiritual. It can't be explained. Um, Because again, uh, culture and education uh, do not remove the fact that man at his core has the very same issues as he had thousands of years ago. And that issue is the fact that he is a sinner. And uh, that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. But anyway, it, it was the 13th day on the ter- uh, on, uh, 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 that the Jews were to be destroyed. Uh, the destruction of Jericho was symbolized by the number 13. So you could say judgment is, is symbolized by 13. Because they marched around the city six days. And on the last day, the seventh day, they did it seven times. Six plus seven is? 13. There, very good. Top marks. Um, uh, Solomon spent seven years building the temple, but he spent thirteen years building a house for himself. And as we see in the later years of Solomon, um, you know that selfishness, that narcissism, um, you know, ultimately uh, brought him to a place of of, of terrible sin and compromise. Um, Jesus in Mark seven mentions thirteen things that defile a person. The dragon, which is a symbol of Satan, appears in the book of Revelation 13 times. In Romans chapter 1, Paul lists 23 characteristics of debased sinners. And the 13th one is that they hate God. And so, I just think it's, it's interesting. Um, so, in this day, I believe God wants us to take our eyes off self and put our eyes on Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, not some. Uh, you mean I have to be uh, thankful even when things aren't going my way? Yes. Seriously. Yes. But I'm, I'm struggling financially. Or I'm uh, struggling with uh, d- depression or I'm, I'm sick, or I've lost my job, or I'm single, or I'm married. Um, even if you're going through a tough time, you still have a responsibility to praise God. Because there's always something that you can be grateful to God for. There is always something. You always have something to be grateful for. Even if it's just the fact that you're still breathing, you have a reason to be grateful Colossians 2.6, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's be honest, many times we're not overflowing with thankfulness, but we should be, amen? So let me read this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. You see, it doesn't matter how much you accomplish or earn. Ultimately, if you're not grateful, you are poor. Okay, without gratitude, you are poor. Proverbs 27 and 7. The full soul loatheth on, and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The New King James. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. This is the problem. Too many people are self-satisfied. Too many people are so full of the world, there's no room for God. And that's why people say, "When I pray and I don't feel God's presence. Well, it's because you're just full of the world. And this is why I believe God is calling us to come back to him. And it starts with gratitude. It starts with us becoming grateful for what he has done for us. And so here the Bible says to to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You see, gratitude can turn even the bitter experiences of life into something sweet. This is why the psalmist was able to say in Psalm 119, it was good for me that I have been afflicted. I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever, unless you're some kind of a, a, a sadist. But the Bible says it's good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Because gratitude enables you to find the good even in the tough experiences of life because whether it was a good experience or a bad experience it's all experience amen and so I'm grateful to God for my salvation because I remember where I was when he called me and cleansed me you know and I'm still here today because God has been good to me he has kept me and you know what if you're saved God's been good to you too how many of you can testify to God's goodness in your life Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God has been good. That's why we can say, with the psalmist, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life." You know, too many believers are going around with a sense of dread. Oh, look at what's happening, and it's the end times. Well, you know, if it's the end times, it's exciting. Glory to God. We're we're a day closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to see Him on the clouds, coming in the clouds of heaven with great glory. And and yet, just one leper came back to thank Jesus. You know why he came back? Because he was grateful. And yet, we can be just like those lepers, so distracted by the blessing that we forget the blesser. Amen. And so I'm sure they were glad, but they weren't grateful, at least not enough to go back and give thanks to Jesus Christ. I mean, they were glad they could go back to their wives and their children and their family, their career and their community. But they forgot to come back to give God the glory that belongs to him. And in the same way, you know, we're glad we're saved. We're glad we're healed. We're glad we're forgiven. But are we truly grateful? Because those who are grateful will make the effort to express it in both words and deeds. Those who are truly grateful. Amen. And, and uh, 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 you, you will show it. You will demonstrate it by the way that you live for him. Let me say this. As a pastor, sometimes looking at people serving on teams, it's, it's very painful. Because people are half-hearted and, and lukewarm. And they act like they're somehow doing you a favor. You're not doing me any favor. If you're working for God, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And and you need to understand something. You know, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. The reason why some believers never receive their breakthrough is because God sees the little things. He sees how you do what you do. Not just what you do. He sees how you do it. You know, I, I see teams there where somebody's putting a message up on a Sunday or a Monday. Are you going to be there? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're still looking for a response. If you're going to do this, do it with all your heart. And do it with a good attitude, because it's for Him. It's for His kingdom, it's for His glory. That would be a good place to say, amen. Amen. Are you grateful? Because those who are truly grateful will make the effort to express it in both word and deed. They won't be half-hearted and lukewarm in how they do things. I don't have time to get into the parable of the ten virgins, but let me say this. The ten virgins, they were all believers. They all had lamps, and they all had oil. But only some of them were ready. It's my honest opinion. Only some people in the body of Christ are ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And I would not be surprised if the rapture were to happen, that some people who decide to just... You know, they turn up in church every, every two or three months. I'm saved, but you know what? I, I, you know, I have, to, I have to follow my heart. I have to do what I want. And They're not serving God. They're not passionate. They're not honoring God. They're living in sin. I honestly don't believe people like that will be taken. I'm not questioning whether they're saved. I'm just questioning whether they are ready. ready. What does the book of Revelation says? His wife hath made herself ready. You are a part of the bride of Christ. But are you ready for his return? I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not preaching salvation by works. But I am saying, if you're saved, there should be the fruit of it evidenced in how you live your life. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus. That's good preaching, Pastor John. We need the oil of gladness. Okay? Because gratitude and gladness are linked. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, to serve the Lord with? gladness. Are you glad to be here today? Certainly after COVID, I'm glad to see people again and not be just preaching to a camera. Amen. And so anyway, I'm glad to have a life, I'm glad to be loved, I'm, I'm glad to be able to minister the, the, the gospel of Christ, you see we need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, because let me say this, nine out of ten men found a reason to not go back and thank God, just like many today found a reason to not go to church, Lord it's cold, Lord it's wet, Lord it's hot, Lord I'm busy, Lord I'm tired, Lord it's Christmas and I have shopping to do, I find a certain irony that the you know the season where we're meant to be celebrating the uh, return of uh, sorry the birth of Christ is the season when churches are generally the most empty because we all find something else to do but but you know I I have to I have to shop well you know unfortunately Christmas has become a festival of, of excess and carnality and foolishness you know excess spending excess eating you know, and, and uh, I don't believe that, that excess eating, did I say eating, yeah? Um, yeah. Excess spending, etc. just, but you know what, I thank God that Christ's love for us is excessive. Amen. His love was excessive. And so anyway, the Lord asked the question, where are the other nine? And he's still asking that question today because in eternity, I believe there will be people who realize that they wasted their lives on things that were of little or no consequence. Mindless video games you know, constantly just scrolling, you know, on social media, alcohol, drugs, porn, materialism, gambling, you know, uh, uh, fame, building a career or a business, but never doing anything to build a kingdom. But those who are truly grateful, like I said, will express it through their words and deeds. Daniel 6 and verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, He went to his house where he had his windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He sat down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. A dictate had been signed that anyone who prayed to anyone other than the king would be killed. And yet Daniel, he didn't even close the windows. People say, you need to have wisdom, pastor. Well, you know what? Sometimes, I honestly believe we need to have boldness. You know, the, 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 you know, the people who have uh, joined the cult known as, as uh, Stop Oil, I mean, they're gluing themselves to roads because they're so committed to their cause. Personally, I believe it's a cult, but uh, uh, but you know what? You have to admire the, 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 the commitment of, of the you know, people in the world, the, the commitment they give to many ideologies, and yet many times we're half-hearted. But here, Daniel, he made a decision, I'm going to serve the Lord just as I did yesterday. I'm not ashamed. Like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He left the window open. He could have just continued to pray, but shut the window. He didn't. You know, because he wasn't going to be controlled by, you know, a a dictatorial government that was, uh, you know, serving an antichrist agenda. I think there's a parallel there for us in our generation. But Daniel continued to pray and thank God. Why? Because he was grateful. He didn't take his success for granted. When faced with the choice of fearfulness or faithfulness, Daniel chose to be faithful. Amen? Even though it put his life at risk. But he was faithful because he was grateful. Amen? And I believe in the days to come, we may have to face the very same question. Okay? Will we be faithful? Andrew Murray said this, Let us thank God heartily, as often as we pray, that we will have his spirit in us to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. It will take our attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts we got to take our attention from ourselves harry ironside we would worry less if we prayed more thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction hallelujah you see daniel understood that his very next breath was a gift from his creator and so is yours and mine he chose to invest What were his final hours on earth in prayer because the death penalty had already been officially decreed for anyone who prayed. Let me ask you this, if serving Jesus Christ was made illegal tomorrow, would there be sufficient evidence in your life to convict you? This is not a day, like I said, for uh, secret service believers. This is the day for us to come out of the closet and declare to the world, I belong to Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You see, Daniel understood that my times are in your hands. Psalm 31 and 15. The question is, do you live like you belong to him? Do you live like your life is not your own? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you're not your own. For you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. You belong to God. You're not yours, your own anymore. You belong to Him. You see, life is a precious gift and yet so many waste their most valuable resource. Time. Time is our most valuable gift. Ecclesiastes twelve seven. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. The contemporary English says, So our bodies return to the earth. And the life giving breath returns to God. The breath God gave to us in the beginning, he takes back. And this is why again, we must understand we're on borrowed time. How will your final moments on this earth be spent? What thoughts will go through your mind? W- will you be fearful or expectant? Will you look back in your life with a sense of regret or a sense of satisfaction? Will you look back in your life with regret saying, I wish I'd spent more time with, with, uh, with God. I-, I wish I'd spent more time with my, my wife and my, my children. And now I go to face a God that I never really knew. A God I never really sought or obeyed or served. A, a God I never thanked. For my family, for my health, for my wealth, for, for my church, for my savior, for, for the gift of life itself. Think about it. Um, Psalm 36, one thirty six and 1 tells us, give thanks to the Lord. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 1. It's a very uh, significant chapter. And um, I really believe it's a chapter that speaks to where our generation is right now. Particularly with the whole uh, climate change cult you know, that's really being used to to usher in a one world government, and um, how how many of you know up until a a, a year or two ago, uh, people could happily take a jet and go somewhere, now uh, you're being told it's a sin, (laughs) thank you Jesus, anyway, I don't have time to go there, Um, I I probably will address it at some stage, I'd encourage you, like I said, we've been doing um, some podcasts, it's um, at Pastor John O'Hearn on YouTube. Uh, I did a a series on abiding in Christ, growing in your relationship with him, and I just finished, uh, we we just put out the first two parts of um, uh, overcoming anxiety. I believe it's a a series that will help you, particularly as you approach the Christmas season, but also the days in which we're in. I believe it's important for us um, to know what the Word of God says. And so, anyway, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 uh, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppressed the truth and unrighteousness it's quite interesting what's been coming out through twitter you know uh, elon musk spent 44 billion buying this and really f- what it's revealed has been the amount of suppression of truth the amount of um uh you know propaganda and how big tech and uh you know progressive or liberal governments have been colluding uh to deceive people and to um uh, uh, you know, to push forward these globalist antichrist agendas. and uh, I, But I think it's interesting. Here, the Bible talks about men who suppress the truth. Um, and it says uh, in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifested, and for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, um, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. Nobody can ever stand before God in eternity and say, Lord, I didn't know that you were real. Because every time you walk out and you see a beautiful blue sky, uh, any time you look at a beautiful mountain or a lake or the glory of God's creation, uh, it's preaching to you. Um, every time in this, we have the four seasons in this nation, but like I said, when you see a beautiful bud, it's symbolic of the resurrection. But also, in, as winter or autumn approaches and those beautiful leaves start to wither and die, it's a warning. It's a warning that you are here only for a temporary season. That your life, uh, one day you're going to leave this earth just like that leaf comes off that tree. And so you look at the glory of God's creation. It's preaching to you if you only have the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And, and uh, anyway, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Verse 21. There is... Um, Being understood by the things that are made, even as it turned upon God, it so they're without excuse. Because although they need God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And so here the Bible, uh, you know, acknowledges. The the foolishness of those who do not acknowledge God, of those who live as if God doesn't exist. And that describes much of the Western world right now. Um, In our rebellion, in our sin, we're codifying perversion, we're indoctrinating our children, and uh, we're walking in rebellion against God. And one of the things God, uh, you know, uh, rebukes mankind for here is the fact that they are not thankful, that we're not thankful. And, uh, and, and so it, it actually goes on to describe how that rebellion leads men and women into homosexuality and perversion and all kinds of rebellion. Um, uh, it also describes the, the whole climate change movement um, uh, because it says worshipping uh, the creation rather than the creator. That's what our generation is guilty of. And really, you sum up the whole climate change movement, it's... It's a, a, a modernized version of paganism. The concept of paganism is based on the fact that the earth is holy. That the earth is sacred. No, it's not. The earth was created for us to live in. And, uh, and so, but again, worshipping the creature rather than the creator. And, uh, and so really, that's where we're at right now. And it's an indication of, of how our generation has lost its way. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, verse 21 says, Neither were they thankful. How many times have we helped others who immediately forgot what we did for them? You know, none of us like to be taken for granted. But how many times have we forgotten um, all that God has done for us? We have forgotten the goodness and mercy that He has shown to us. You know, one of the divine indictments of mankind is that in spite of His great goodness to us, we are not thankful. Um, uh, you know, even back in 2010 when we had that heavy snow and we had it for a couple of weeks the country came to a grinding halt. I remember thinking to myself, you know, God was so gracious after two or three weeks it left. But what about if you had that snow for a month? Or how about two months? Or how about six months? You know, mankind will be wiped out. And and this is God's grace. This is God's mercy. And yet so many times we are uh, not thankful for what he has done for us. Because even we are guilty of this because at times we are not truly grateful um, to God. It may never be said about us, but yet how many times has God uh, corrected us, directed us, protected, provided, um, uh, you know, lifted us, loved us, forgiven us, encouraged us, um, uh, done so many things for us, healed us, and yet how quickly we forget or at least tend to take it for granted. And, um, uh, you know, there's a saying, eaten bread is quickly forgotten. And, you know, Matthew chapter 12 talks about how uh, the Samaritan woman came, um, uh, her her daughter was demonized. And it says, and she worshipped the Lord. And and that's when the breakthrough came. And, you know, sometimes we don't see God's provision simply because we're not thankful. Because many times, um, I believe thanksgiving and gratitude is the missing ingredient in our miracle. It's not that we're not praying. It's not that we're not believing. It's simply the fact that we're not grateful. We're not grateful. We've done literally everything except give God thanks. You know, Psalm 103 says, forget not all his benefits. And yet, in many instances, we take his benefits for granted. Um, We forget that he's the one who's blessed us with them. We forget that we were once single and lonely, or we were once unemployed, or we were once sick or anxious. And we forget what God has done for us. And this is why I believe God wants us to develop an attitude of gratitude. Do you know the British evangelist, Smith Wigsworth, used to jump out of his bed in the morning and dance around the room for 10 minutes? And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's, that's an amazing way to start the day. And yet he saw great miracles, tremendous miracles. And I wonder, like I said, is this the missing element in our breakthroughs? I remember back in the early 70s, I was a little kid. um, It was summertime because I was sitting in the back seat I had shorts on. And um, my dad's friend came up. We were sitting in the car. My dad was in the front. My older brother in the front. And my my dad's friend, I remember my brother wound down the window. And my dad's friend gave in a 50 pence piece to my brother. That was big money back then. I mean, you could buy sweets for half a penny. That was like 100 sweets. Back then as a kid, everything you saw was through the the lens of how many sweets can I get? And... um, so he gave him 50 pence my mouth started to water next thing he hands back 20 pence to me that's a lot of money back then that's like 40 sweets but you know I wasn't really good at maths back then but I knew <laughs> I wasn't equal and as my wife will say after being living with me for nearly 25 years I'm kind of an all or nothing person <laughs> I'm very binary I'm very black or white just, that's just the way I am And I remember, I was only about five, I remember looking at the 20 pence and looking at my brother at the front when he's 50. I wound down the window, the man had gone, and I threw the money out the window. (laughs) I was a man of principle even back then. Well, I don't think anything anybody had noticed. We were driving home from Castle Island, where my dad's garage was. And as we were driving home, my dad says, So, John, where is the money you were given? I had only one little pocket right here in my shorts. It was like little hot pants. And I remember putting my, my hand in there a few times, pretending to look for the money, because I knew where the money was gone, because after I threw it out, a little boy came along. He picked it up. He was like delighted. He walks away. So I didn't know my dad had noticed what I had done. So I got home. I got a good spanking. Um, is there anything worse than ungrateful kids? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was my first lesson. Um, Daniel Defoe, all of our discontents about what we want appear to me to spring from the want of thankfulness for what we have. That was Daniel Defoe, 1600 to 1731. He was the writer of Robinson Crusoe. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10 says, uh, it is a time to celebrate with a hearty meal and uh, to send presents to those in need. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You must not be dejected and sad. You see, believers are the happiest people on earth, or at least they should be. Why? We're saved. Isaiah 12 and 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You see, if you're saved, tell your face. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, A man without a smiling face must never open a shop. You see, we, we should not have a long face. And yet, some believers are very hard to be around. Because they're always whining and complaining about something. Even after you pray with them. As a pastor, if after I pray and the person starts off again with a complaint about something, I know that person has received nothing. Because if you're not thankful, if you're not grateful, you're not going to receive from the Lord. You know, every day for many, many years since my kids were little, on the way to the school, I do something with them. I say, kids what are you thankful for, and each morning I say the exact same thing, Lord, I thank you for my beautiful wife and children, and then I go through them one by one, and I say, ask them, tell the Lord what you're thankful for, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for our house, Lord, I'm thankful for our car, you know, one morning I said to the kids, I said, okay, you have to come up with something different, and Joshua said, my little boy, he said, God, thank you for forks, I said, you know what, that's a good thing to thank him for, you know, we can eat, <laughs> feed ourselves, amen, so, I remember a number of years ago, I was working home at home, I used to work from home as an engineer. And I remember looking out; it was summertime, it was lashing rain, and uh, I said, "Lord, why is it always raining in this country?" I was just a bit down. I remember the Lord rebuked me. He said, "You know, there's multitudes of people who don't have sight who would love to see for just one moment what you see." And I, I, I repented right then. I was convicted. You know, Philippians 4 and verse 4 to 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And and so it talks about the importance of um, not just presenting your request. It says, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You see, it's gratitude, again, I believe is the missing element, because if you're neither, uh, if you're not thankful, it's because you're not grateful. That's just a fact, because gratitude and thanksgiving are an expression of our faith, and so if you're neither grateful nor thankful, you won't be faithful, because if you're full of thanks, if you're full of thanksgiving, you'll also be full of faith. Faithful. Thank, full. What are you full of? Amen. Because what you're full of will eventually leak out. And that's why Psalm 23 and verse 5 says, my cup overflows. So again, people are going to be touched by what is overflowing from your life. Is what is overflowing from your life complaining or thanksgiving? Amen. Because they will be touched by it. Amen. So anyway, um, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you want to know what's in a person, you only need to listen to them and you'll quickly identify where they're at. And that's why complaining and whining is so wrong because it's an indication um, uh, that we are not grateful for what we do have. You know, even even sighing can be a complaint against God. You know, again, forget not all his benefits. Remind yourself of what God has done and it will energize your faith. And because our faith comes alive when we give praise and thanksgiving to God. Thomas Goodwin, 1600 to 1680. Nothing hinders thanksgiving more than pride, for a proud man thinks everything is due him. So if you're complaining because things are hard, that's arrogance on your part because you're assuming everything has to be a bed of roses and everything has to always be easy. No, listen, success isn't easy in any realm of life, amen? And so we we have to work, we have to press in because it's our pride and sense of entitlement that turns away much good from us. You see, God owes us nothing, Remember, remember that, amen? And we owe Him everything. And so the very least that we can give to God is our gratitude. And so, very quickly, I want to go through a number of points here that will maybe uh, just give you a deeper understanding of this, because this is an important subject. Firstly, I'm thankful, or I'm grateful, for His grace. Jacqueline um, Winspear said this, Grace isn't a little prayer you chant before receiving a meal. It's a way to live. You see, grace is a way to live, because it's because of grace, and only because of grace, that we live. Titus 2 and 11 says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And so it's it's grace that has enabled us to be saved. Psalm 130 verse 4, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. How many of you are grateful for his grace? Because his forgiveness is rooted in his glorious grace. I don't know about you, but I remember who I was and where I was Before I was born again. And uh, you know I remember where I was. Before I encountered his grace. J.C. Ryle says the heart that has really tasted the grace of Christ. Will instinctively hate sin. And so we will hate sin. If we truly have experienced God's grace. Thank you Lord. Isaiah 59 and 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you know the berean bible says but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your god you see we were that without god and we were that without hope we were condemned uh, to death and eternal destruction but god made us new creatures in christ jesus that's why we are grateful for grace amen because god has made us new and this is why grace isn't just a gift it's a new life A life lived for the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that though he is rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I want to ask you today, do you know the grace of God? 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 tells us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because... This is the problem. After beginning in the spirit, we can end up in the flesh. And this is what Galatians 3 talks about. It says, you foolish Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Amen. And uh, chapter five, verse one, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I remember one young man who left our church and not too long afterwards, um, I, was, I, I met him and I talked to him, and he, he was questioning his salvation because you see, where you are planted uh, can make the difference between blessing or cursing, favor or failure, and between deception or uh, revelation. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but you know, I, I really think it's so important that you are planted. And um, you know, I've been reading uh, George Whitfield's um, uh, journals, and really, really been fascinating um uh, but he was on his way back from georgia they nearly died because uh, the winds were contrary they nearly ran out of food and water so they were rationing the food and the water and um and they, they all thought they were going to die. But thankfully, they, they, they came to the coast of Ireland. I thought it was interesting that it was, it was, you know, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. God used Ireland. He brought them to, so they came off the, the coast of Clare. And, um, and uh, I was just reading, just, it, it really struck me. It just, this was about 1737, so not too far off 300 years ago. But um, Friday, November 17th, had a very pleasant ride over a fine, fruitful, open country to Forth Fargus, a village that was reckoned only 10, but at a moderate computation, 30 English miles from Kilrush. So, so the, uh, Paddy told him, it's about 10 miles up the road, it turned out it was over 30. That's just, that's just uh, an Irish thing. But it says, as I stopped to have my horses shooed, I went into one of the poor people's cabins, as they call them, But it may as well be called a sty, a barn, or a poultry coop. It was about 20 feet long and 12 feet broad. The walls were built with turf and mud. In it was a man threshing corn, two swine feeding, two dogs, several geese, a man, his wife, three children, and a great fire. Georgia huts are a palace to it. Indeed, the people live very poorly in this part. Some walk barefoot with their shoes in their hands to save them from wearing out. Others out of necessity because they didn't have shoes. I observed many of their feet to be much swollen and ready to gush out with blood through extremity of cold. Now this is November, you know, much the same time of the year as this and people are walking barefoot. And you know what, in Ireland I think we've become disconnected with how blessed we are. And I think it's such a wonderful thing that many of you have come from different nations around the world to find a better life, to find a job, and to, to do well for yourselves. And, 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 you know, for the Irish people, I think it's so important for us to remember where we came from, the abject poverty that many of our ancestors lived in. And uh, sometimes looking, looking back at history, there's, you, you, you say, I mean, how did we survive at all? I mean, but... Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to God, and I think it's important that we're grateful for what God has done for us, amen? And so, you know, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, like the Bible says, we have been redeemed. And so, you know, Psalm 103 says, God hasn't dealt with us according to our sin. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful for that. You know, Ephesians 2 says that we were once children of wrath, but it says, by grace we have been saved. That's why I'm thankful, I'm grateful for grace, I'm grateful for God's Grace, and um, it was Martin Lloyd Jones said this: If we ever lose our sense of wonder at the fact that we have ever become Christians, we are in a sense already victims of the disease of pride. We must never lose this wonder. Why are we different? There is only one answer: It is entirely the result of the grace of God. You see what a miracle God has wrought in redeeming us from death, hell, and the grave. We're off limits to Satan, because of God's grace. And this is why, instead of focusing on what the devil is doing, or what we don't have, how about we refocus again on what Christ accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Secondly, I'm thankful not just for his grace, I'm thankful for his love. The Bible says, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins. Amen? You see, God loved us even before he forgave us. You know, he sees you in your struggle and your failure, he sees you in your pain, he sees you in your situation, and he hasn't forgotten you. And this is the thing, God believes in you even when nobody else does. God believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. Why? He loves you. 1 John 4 eight tells us that God is love. But the question is this, have you surrendered to his love? because many times we approach him in fear because we're more mindful of our failures and our inadequacies rather than what his blood has done for us. You know, 1 John 4:18 says perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. And so, when you understand that God loves you, it will set you free from fear. Because many believers have a legalistic uh, Works based mentality towards God, and it's rooted in fear. You see, uh, per- when you understand God's love for you, it will set you free from fear. Amen. D- take a moment to contemplate the fact that God loves you right where you are. The creator of the universe loves you. You know, the Bible says, God so loved the world. To listen to some preachers, you would think that God was so frustrated or so angry at the world. No, it says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. He gave his son, Jesus, to die a gruesome death on the cross. And, and, and this is why, again, I look at the cross and I'm reminded that I matter. I look at the cross and I'm, I am reminded that I am loved by God. You see, the cross is an eternal symbol of God's unconditional love for you. Romans 8 and 31 says... and is also anteceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble our hardship, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our danger, our sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, you're not that powerful. You need to understand that. Your failure is not greater than God's love. Some of you feel, well, maybe I've, you know, completely... Invalidated the call of God because I've I've messed up. You must understand that we are secure in His love. It's His love that changes us because it's only love that that can truly change you. Amen. When you understand that nothing can separate you, but you might say, Pastor, but I I was divorced. Well, you know what? Praise God, He still loves you. But but I, I, I I I've I've fallen into adultery or homosexuality or I struggle with addiction. He loves you. He loves you where you are, right where you are today. He's not going to leave you where you are, and this is where some people pervert the gospel, because the gospel is a call to repentance. Repent simply means to change. He'll give you the power to change, but remember this. He loves you. He loves you. He sees you where you are, and His love is going to bring you from where you are. You see, the Bible says, God so loved the world. Verse 17, for the Son of Man did not come to condemn But to save. You see, Jesus didn't come to condemn and neither do we. We have a message of grace. The Bible says we are ambassadors of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Just give me five minutes and I'm going to finish. I'm grateful for his grace. I'm grateful for his love. And lastly, I'm grateful for his plan. (laughs) How many of you are glad God has a plan? Even when we don't have a plan, God does. Amen? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you hope in the future. No matter what's going on or what's going wrong, God always has a plan. And that's why we can be grateful, because it means we don't have to worry about our life. We don't have to stay awake at night trying to work out, you know, what what to do with our lives. We don't have to be afraid of the past, the present, or the future, because we know our times are in His hands. Psalm 31. My times are in your hands. We don't have to be frustrated or afraid. Let me say this to some of you. You're not behind time. Some of you might feel, I missed my opportunity. I missed my moment. No. God's timing is perfect. You're single? Then enjoy this season and prepare for the next one. You've got young kids? Embrace the chaos. You have teenagers? Hold tight and pray for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Amen. God's in control. Psalm 105 and 43, it says, He brought them out with gladness. Out where? Out of the world. Because God has a plan. Out of the world and into the kingdom. You see, God has a plan. He has a blueprint for your life. If you'll only simply just trust and obey Him. And part of God's plan is for you to be planted. Sam, 90, and some of you sit and say, Pastor, will you ever finish this? This is important. If you want to go to a church for a half hour service, go there. Be blessed. Be happy. But if I'm going to come here, I'm going to preach. And I'm going to give this message because it's important. Yeah. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. You need to be planted in a good church that teaches you the word of God. And and let me say this, you need to have a good attitude towards your leaders. Hebrews chapter 13 addresses this issue and it says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. It's very easy to stand back when you have no responsibilities whatsoever and judge a pastor and criticize them but you do not understand that there is a weight that they carry because they are responsible for eternal souls, and the day will come when they will give an account to Jesus for what they have done and how they have led, but you're also going to give an account to Him for how you have judged them and how you've criticized them and how some people, some Christians are obsessed with tearing down leaders rather than building them up. It says they watch out for your souls. I understand we could have a lot more people in this church if I just refuse to deal with some of the issues that I deal with. If I could just give a little 25-minute little pep talk, a lot more people would come. Because I understand truth can be confrontational, truth can be convicting. But I have a responsibility before God to prepare you for what may be coming. And I'm going to do my best to do that. And if you don't have an appetite for truth, then I understand why people leave. Here it says, they must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would not be profitable to you. Pastors have a responsibility to look out for the sheep. It's a difficult job. So please, for the love of God, don't make it any more difficult than it has to be. (laughs) It amazes me that people will listen and hear the message and they'll be glad until they hear something that annoys them. And the next they're out of there without saying a word. They just leave. And and to me, it's a reflection of our shallow, narcissistic consumer culture whereby if you're not getting what you want, you just go and you pick somewhere else. Well, I I don't believe you pick your church. I believe God picks it for you. (laughs) You see, ultimately, every believer is a contributor or a consumer. So which are you? It's easy to criticize, they should do this, they should do that, they should do the other. What are you doing to help make this happen? Are you supporting this work financially? Are you praying for us? Are you serving on a team? And are you being faithful as you serve? You see, 1991, my life was changed. I got saved. But not only was I forgiven, I was cleansed. Not only was I cleansed and forgiven, I was connected with God's plan for my life. And His plan for my life was so much better than mine. And this is the beauty. God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. Are you grateful for his plan? Amen. Are you grateful for the doors that he's closed as well as the ones that he has opened? Listen, when I think of the women I could have ended up with, I'm grateful. When when I think of the places I could have done, gone, the things I could have done, the company I could have kept, And the person I could have ended up as so easily. I'm thankful for his plan. I'm thankful that that God had a call on my life. And the good news is he has one for every one of us. And yes, we fall short. We fall short and we fail at times. But know this. You are not that powerful. Because your failure, your weakness, your past does not negate or invalidate his plan. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means till your dying day, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Unfortunately, some people resist it and some people walk away from it. But God has a plan. Amen. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil. The Message Bible in Isaiah 49. But Zion said, I don't get it. God has left me. My master has forgotten I even exist. Can a mother forget the infant at her breast? Walk away from the baby she bore. But even if mothers forget, I will never forget you. Never. Look, I've written your name on the back of my hands. And this is why, as the worship group come forward, I want you to stand to your feet. You know, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you may be in a very discouraging situation right now. David was in a dark and a difficult situation, but it says he encouraged himself. You know what he did? He chose to be grateful. He had just lost his wife, his children, or his wives actually, his children, but he humbled himself before God, and he started to thank God. He started to encourage himself in the Lord. He started to to just express gratitude for God's promises, and God turned the situation around. Amen. And so we must be grateful for God's grace, for God's love, for God's plan. Because you know what? He's in control. And remember this. If we, if, if we can't, He won't. And if we won't, He can't. And yes, God is sovereign. But at the same time, He has chosen to limit Himself to His word. And He has chosen to limit Himself to working through His church. You know, last night I had a little Bible study with my kids. And, you know, within a few minutes, they started talking to me about, uh, you know, about eternity and about heaven and about angels and, and and about the responsibility to take the gospel to others. And I remember they, they came to this conclusion after five or ten minutes of a discussion that some believers never come to in the course of their life. And that was they asked the pertinent question, but dad, what about people who are... Who are far away and brought up in another religion and they never hear about jesus surely what happens then and i said well the bible is clear that there's only one way to heaven and that's through jesus christ and this is why we have to go this is why we are called to take this message to the world because god could use angels but he doesn't the bible says in the end days during the tribulation angels will preach but not until then you know, God sent an angel to Cornelius and he, the angel said, go and send Peter and he will speak words to you. We've been given such an awesome privilege to take this gospel to a lost and a dying world. Let me say this, we are surrounded by people, neighbors, friends, colleagues, family, uh, complete strangers who do not know the Lord, who are not ready to stand before Him. And you know, this message of gratitude means that when we discover what God has done for us, and when we really get that revelation, and when we really develop gratitude, how, how can we not share this gospel with others? i so, so blessed, you know, with Liam and the team going out on the street yesterday to share the gospel. You know, Olive and all of the team going out on the Tuesday feeding the homeless and sharing the gospel with broken people. That is our calling because part of God's plan is that we tell others about His plan for them. And so I just want us right now to take a moment to just express our gratitude to God. Amen. You know, God has been so good to us. God has been so kind to us. He has been so merciful to us. Could you just lift your hands and thank him for a moment? Lord, we just thank you so much for our family, for our friends. We thank you for the fact that we are healthy, that we were able to walk in here today, Lord God. We thank you so much for the bed that we had, that we slept on last night, Lord. For the, you know, for the roof we had over our heads, Lord. For the clothes we have in our bodies, Lord. We thank you for the food in our belly, the, the money in our bank account, Lord. We thank you for our, our loved ones, our friends, our families, our jobs, Lord. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful for. We just wanna give you thanks and praise, Lord God. We give you praise, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You are so good. I know I've gone over time, but Lord, I just think it's so important that we are grateful and that we express that gratitude. Let's just thank the Lord. Come on, let's just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the plan you have for us, Lord. We thank you for your glorious grace. We thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your plan for our lives in Jesus' name. We thank you that you, have, that you know us. You have not forgotten us, Lord God. And that you see us where we are. And that you're going to do something glorious in our lives in Jesus' name. We thank you for Ireland, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you, know, you have lifted us out of poverty, Lord. Lord God. You have blessed this country. You've enabled this country to be a blessing to so many people from so many nations, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for the breath in our lungs, Lord, and the breath that you give to us, Lord, we return to you in praise in Jesus' wonderful name.